Welcome to another episode of Human Becomings. Today, I have Martlo Anderson on the show. Welcome, Martlo. Well, hello, everybody. How are you today? I am fantastic, Marlo. I am so excited to have you. How's your day been? You know, it's, it's always, uh, every, every day is a, an experience and a challenge, and, and uh, I wake up every morning looking forward to it. So it's just my normal every day, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I love that, how you look forward to every single day. So I bumped into Motley when I was just looking for people to, to join with. And I say join with, but I was looking for people who have a heart right well everyone has a heart don't get me wrong but who had the hardship and who who looked at the whole world from a very hardship perspective and i love what Marlowe's doing and he actually founded the national calendar national day calendar and let's dive dive into that for a second okay because i feel that you know as a futurist and you are a futurist right as a future is you created this magnificent gesture to bring almost the whole world together by giving people the freedom to observe important days or months via National Calendar Day, National Day, right? And it has even caused movements and awareness to observe important topics for a month like Pride Month or International Peace Month. What actually drove you to create this space where all humans will come together and practice and observe peace and love together? So do you want the long version or the 30 second snippet of this? Any version okay. <laughs> that you wish okay. to share. So it's interesting and it's not gonna be the answer that you think, okay? So I'm a serial entrepreneur and I have other, obviously other entities that I have developed over the years. One of them was, I had this vision about 10 years ago uh, on what we're gonna be doing with all the memories that we've captured on videotape. So I started, uh, I had the decision of, of, of uh, transcoding those and I guarantee you this gets to National Day Calendar, but this is why I'm telling you, this is, it's an interesting path how we got here. And anyway, um, and at that time already, I was, I was a pretty seasoned entrepreneur, uh, but we have a competition in our area called Innovate ND. And my banker at the time had developed fibromyalgia and she was actually leaving work. And I could tell she was kind of in this uh, kind of funk, you know, because of the disease that she has. And I had, but I, I knew she liked to write. And I knew, uh, knew she liked to take photographs and that type of thing. And we were starting this company called Zubio. And with this competition, I didn't really want to be in this competition, but I knew she liked to be out and about with people and whatever. So I suggested to her that we should get into this competition and it would be a year long type of thing uh, to kind of take her mind off of what she was doing or what, you know, about her disease and that type of thing. So got involved. Zubio did very well. We ended up uh, winning the whole thing, as a matter of fact, out of about 450 companies. There was a, it was kind of a big deal. And, you know, all the adrenaline and all that good stuff. And while she was working on this, I, I noticed this profound change in her 
that she wasn't dwelling on her disease anymore, that she was more excited about what we had going on, right? So about three months later, we were visiting, this is back in 2012, and three months later, we were visiting uh, over coffee about, you know, what had happened with Zuvio. And I kind of noticed that she had gone back into this kind of funk again. And I had this idea uh, for a website called National Day Calendar. And it was really just an internal project. I've always loved National Days. And I was really surprised that there was no place to find out how they started. You know, in this world, even back, you know, six, seven years ago, you know, we were immersed in, in information already. So I brought this up to, her name is Jill, and I brought it up to Jill. And I said, you know, we can investigate these days. We can, you know, you can shoot photos about national uh, whatever day. And uh, we can post these things up. This is just basically for internal use only. It really wasn't supposed to be for the world to see. It was just a place to gather our information and, and do this. So anyway, we started this website. I uh, launched it on uh, January 19th, 2013 on National Popcorn Day, which is one of my favorites. And, uh, and that's, that's how it started. And we were kind of laughing at the end of the month when we had a thousand people show up to the website. And we're like, that's, I, I, I build websites for other companies and things. And some people would be surprised if they got a thousand people in a year. And here we have this fledgling little idea and had a thousand people. Well, in July of that year, we met at the very end of the month. Um, and we were, we had a hundred thousand people show up to the website in the month of July that year. And it was a, kind of a come to Jesus moment because Jill had stated to me that she can't do this anymore, that she can't handle the pressure of this, of this uh, kind of fun task that we had created. And I was shocked, absolutely shocked that she said that. And, and uh, I'm like, well, I don't understand. You get to, you know, do this when you want to. If you're feeling good at two in the morning, you can write, you can take photos, you do, you're doing the things you love. And she's like, you don't understand. I'm getting all these emails and messages from people. If I don't have the post out in the evening about what's going on tomorrow, people get upset. And then I started digging into this a little bit. And here it's the media. The media had started to follow us. And they were using us as show prep for their morning talk shows. And if the stuff didn't get out in a timely manner, they were like, where is the stuff? You know, so she left the project at that time. And then for the next two years, I mean, I had other things going on, but I already, I kind of had a feeling already where this might be going. Um, so for every night and weekend for the next two years, this is what I did, uh, was doing the research and whatever. And then, um, so that's how national day calendar kind of started the aha moment though. I told you, this is like a five minute story. I apologize. Yeah. This is I love so it. Long. Love it. Go ahead. Okay, okay. great. So uh, a couple of years later, so this is about just over four years ago now, uh, the National Day Calendar is just, uh, as a company, is just, just four years old this month. And I was hosting a technology, actually a, it was a technology panel at a transportation summit. And I had suggested that Highway 83, which is the longest contiguous road in um the Northern Hemisphere, basically, it runs from uh, deep into Canada all, all the way through the United States and deep into Mexico, and that it should be an autonomous-friendly corridor. My other love in life is technology. I host a tech talk show. Um, I'm a big advocate of autonomous vehicles and drones and all that good stuff. And anyway, um, 
I was, I just had mentioned this idea about this and there was a reporter in the room that had uh, picked up on what I was saying and wrote a story about it. And then it got picked up by the AP and then it became a national news thing. And I was on the front page of many papers across the country about this vision that I had for autonomous vehicles and, and uh, started to get phone calls from all over the place and Fox news called me and they asked to see if I could do an interview and very similar to what we're doing right now. I accept that it was on Skype. Uh, I was on Skype with this reporter on national news live, right? So I was live on their thing and she asked me how I came up with this idea. And I was talking about how the, the country was founded east to west. So our roads typically run east to west and our rail runs east to west. And, and I'm based in North Dakota, which is in the middle of the country or you know upper middle, I guess you could say. Uh, but we're kind of landlocked up here. So trying to move you know, wheat and corn and sunflowers and whatever is, is actually quite a process because uh, we don't have a lot of north-south routes. So that was the reason the vision behind the autonomous corridor was that it would help equalize the transportation dilemma that we have and the, the economies that go along with that. So I'm talking about all this stuff, right? And about two minutes into this, she goes, what does this have to do with National Puppy Day? And I'm like, and again, I am live on national television and I just did my little, took one hat off, pretend to put the other hat on. And then we started talking about that. But after I was done with that interview, I'm like, you know, what have I created? Right. So I met with my, with my team and we talked about it a little bit. And at that time we had decided that, uh, you know, most businesses would love to have millions of followers you know, have the kind of attention that we have on a daily basis. Uh, and we just decided that, you know, either this has to go away because it's so disruptive or it has to be a thing. And so we made it a thing. That's, that's kind of the, the long version of how National Day Calendar came to be. That's actually a beautiful story, Marla. It's because every, <laughs> every small, well, every huge act, right? I feel like everything that becomes huge starts with a small act and and you started with a good motivation and the motivation was you were thinking about your friend and that kind of like spiraled out and manifested in some sort of way right and and, and it just manifested to be, be this big big event i call it the event because it it just has the power it has just has the power to bring so many people around the world together just based on okay what day is it today what are we celebrating today what month is it today like i i didn't know that the calendar existed until you know i started noticing this okay it's it's a national avocado <laughs> you know day and, and, then <laughs> and i love that story by the way and i'll share that with you a little bit yeah go ahead i'm sorry and then i was like oh it's like and i thought oh this and i thought oh maybe it's like they're growing avocados or to bring awareness to avocados and then came in the pride month awareness then came in the international peace awareness and that's when i was like this is so powerful because when i went onto facebook everyone started aligning the team like from their pictures to instagram posters even companies logos aligned with 
for example, Pride Month, companies' logos aligned with the colors according to Pride Month. And that is such a colossal thing that you planted. I, I call it seeds of empowerment. You planted and it just blossomed into something that it reaches millions of people. And I feel like it's a futuristic, like I know that you're a future, futurist and I, that aligns really well with the whole thing of you being a futurist and this action being futurist. And before we move on to the next story, but I want to listen to your avocado story first. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, we, one of the things that we do now is we bring new national days uh, to light. So we partner with individuals, mostly companies. Because uh, there's a cost involved. I mean, obviously, all, all what we do can't be free all the time. Now we have we have staff and all this other stuff. So, uh, which is great. I mean, it's fantastic, great. Right? Um, so we have uh, there's a company called Model Meals that uh, had suggested National Avocado Day. So we brought that. They went to the committee. We have about twenty thousand requests for new national days every year now. And we have a committee of four people that go through those requests, and then if it's approved, anonymous or uh, um, everybody has to say yes to it. Uh, so unanimously is what I was after. And uh, if it's unanimously passed, then it becomes a, a new national day. So it's difficult. Uh, you really have to make the case for why it should be a national day. So just a handful of those twenty thousand make it every year. And so Avocado Day, um, so this was the third ever Avocado Day uh, just a few weeks ago. And it's amazing how quickly that has become a huge, huge international event. And uh, so much so that, I mean, I've seen bits on Ellen. I've seen, I mean, almost every morning talk show in the country talks about it being Avocado Day. There was actually articles this year because there's an avocado shortage about how National Avocado Day was going to drive up the price of avocados. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. This is just something that, you know, a couple of us dreamed up and, and now we're actually impacting the price of avocados. Are you, this seems crazy to me. But because uh, uh, they were talking about in this article, because of the shortage, that some companies are starting to use a form of squash uh, that's very similar, I guess, to avocados and their fat content and things uh, as a replacement because they were unable to, they were concerned about actually being able to have enough uh, supply for National Avocado Day. So anyway, that's, uh, uh, I, I love stories like that and, and, you know, how fast some of these National Days became, become a very, very big deal. So anyway. No, that, no <laughs> I, I'm with you. It's just one day, like one celebrated day becomes so massive because of the story behind it. And and you said that right. and you said that you had the impact to drive the cost of avocado. And <laughs> and, it does, and I feel like it's all connected, right? It's, it's all connected. Yeah. And and then now you have the power. You have the power to drive the sale of avocado or increase uh, the prices of avocado covertly and yep. and it's just i feel like it's all in, interrelated not somehow but interrelated in ways we had a uh, the wall street journal probably about two years ago actually did a story on us on how we impact the national economy because it's it's tough to find a donut by 10 o'clock in the morning on National Donut Day now. I mean, every donut shop in the country sells out, right? When you 
go when it's National Pizza Day. Go to your favorite pizza joint in the evening, and it's packed. I mean, people are out celebrating these days, and it's to me, it's not, it is not about the money. I mean, people ask all the time about the money piece, and and uh, the money piece, the driving of economy, is just a byproduct of what a national day is. It's just a way to celebrate the day. It's a way for family and friends to come together. Uh, and that's truly how I feel about it. And, and, uh, um, it's one of, it's just one of those things that if it drives economy, you know, maybe other businesses should take notice of what drives people to their business. And maybe it's not that they have an okay pizza. It's about the experience and how do you bring friends and family together at that place? So, um, probably a lesson to learn, you know, from, at least my experience with National Day Calendar. I love that you said that it's a day to celebrate and to come together with family and friends. And that's such an important layer that you just added, Marlo. We forget to celebrate with or celebrate our family and friends nowadays, right? I feel like we have become a future based from the 19... 70s because in 1970s or 1980s we had this this vision that everything would be uh automated from that stance right everything right. would be automated and we would be living in a high-tech world and then fast forward right now we are living in a decently automated high-tech world and then we're still thinking about the future how will we live in the future in an even more automated even more high-tech world. But right now, we are living in this world of technology, which is fabulous. I love technology. But at the same time, technology, it triggers the, the disappearance, right, it, of relationships, of that special moments, even eating dinner together, it, right, or even eating lunch at work. Most people eat lunch, grab lunch, and in front of their computer, typing away. They do not take time to eat, socialize, spend time with your friends, or anything of that sort. And what you just said was, was so, is so important. National Day brings people together with family and friends that we have forgotten. And that's so important. But what, have we come to a point that we depend on the National Day? to really have that thought of, oh, let's come together, which is good, which is good, right? That catalyst is put into place, that seed that your planter is put into place to act as a reminder to people to come together. And yeah, I, 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 I agree 100%. And I think that, uh, um, you know, what National Day is, isn't, isn't from the mind of uh, somebody who's extraordinary, like a Steve Jobs or, or what have you. I mean, I'm not changing, you know, we're not changing the world because we built an iPod and an iPhone or whatever. Uh, but it is something that I think people crave. I think people um, look forward to a reason to celebrate. And even in the office environment or whatever, you know, it just allows them to uh, have ideas on how to celebrate those national days. And maybe they just don't have to think so hard about it. When it's National Pizza Day, it's real easy to call your friend that you or your family member because you have a favorite pizza joint that you go to, right? It's just this reminder, like you were saying, that, hey, it's pizza day. Let's, I'm going to call Bob and, and uh, let's go out and have pizza tonight, you know. 
Um, that's, I think, what the catalyst is. And, you know, and even on social media, when it's like National Siblings Day, and you see that post, right, and you're uh, from, from one of your friends or whatever, and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's Siblings Day. I need to share something now about my brother or my sister or what have you, right? So you share these things out online. And then it becomes a, a social media sensation with all these older photos of, of your siblings or whatever and, 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 and reaches a billion people. It's just totally amazing to me. No, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant that the seed that you planted has blossomed into a, a tree and that tree has replanted its seeds. That's how I look at your act of kindness. And that brings me to speak about Futurist because that act that you created, National Day Calendar, I feel that it's a Futurist mindset, right? And I know that uh, everything that you do, from what I have seen, touches on Futuristic. But let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into what does it really mean to be a Futurist and to have a Futurist mindset? Um, that's a good question. And I'm trying to formulate an answer to that right now. I, I, you know, I don't, um, I guess I don't spend a lot of time pondering those type of things. And I don't know if I'm just fortunate in that space. I, I tend to have the ability to look at things and then maybe see what this looks like five or 10 years from now. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I look at, I play with a lot of technology. So I'm very fortunate in that world. Uh, you know, I've, I've ridden in over 30 autonomous vehicles. I've probably ridden in more different autonomous vehicles than anybody else in the world. So I've been blessed with, you know, being around people who see some vision. And then I just, you know, basically bring all of these ideas together into this little noggin up here and uh, formulate some thoughts, you know. Uh, but I, I will tell you that, I am very optimistic about our future uh, as opposed to how most people are. Um, you know, so that, that to me, I, I look for, you know, when I, when I come up with some theories or whatever about how I see the future, uh, it's usually in that optimistic type of scenario. And it's only because I love history and I can usually find things. And, and a great example would be, um, well, I'll just ask you this question. How many hours has it been? I don't know if I've asked you this before, Mylar, or not, but uh, how many hours has it been since the horse was the major form of transportation? Yeah, you asked me and I said 500,000. That's right. That's right. You're the closest person that's ever, you know, for that, for that question. Most people say millions of hours. I've had students tell me billions of hours. But if I wrote you a check for every hour that's passed since the since the horse is the major form of transportation, you're not even a millionaire. It's only 870,000 hours. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So when, when you start, so, and when it was horses, I mean, so those people were employed as, as buggy whip salespeople, as, uh, you know, horseshoe repair or, or uh, horseshoers or whatever, you know, back in the day, right? They, they fixed stagecoach wheels and, and who knows, you know, what, what kind of employment there was. So I always look at, you know, as we move into the future, we've been through this before. And we emerge on the other side much better off than we were before. I mean, I don't know of many people that would go back to horses. I know a couple people that 
in my life that might, but they certainly wouldn't take it on a trip that's 400 miles long or whatever. They prefer a horse maybe around the ranch or something. But uh, I'm just saying that our life is dramatically better. We've created a lot more jobs on the other side. And I think we're in the same space right now. You know, we, we're at this technological evolution uh, with all the stuff that's coming at us. And I think 10 years from now looks totally different than what it than what we have right now as far as how our homes are built. I mean, you know, 3D printers are going to be building our homes. We're going to be hopping into vehicles, whether they're flying or, or uh, ground-based, that uh, will basically drive themselves. We'll just tell them that we want to go to the local coffee shop and it will they will take us there. Uh, I mean, it really looks a lot different than it does now. Uh, but somebody has to somebody has to build all this stuff. And even if it's robots building those things, somebody has to take care of the robots. And there's going to be a ton of people that are going to be employed because of that. So uh, I, I'm just very, very optimistic about where we're going right now. And, you know, even on the, I look at uh, um, crime rate, and I, I don't pay much attention to the news because it's just basically doom and gloom all the time. I don't know if you know this, but murder rates in this country are 40% of what they were 25 years ago. And if I ask most people that, my, my mom is scared to death to leave her house. And I'm like, mom, the murder rate is significantly less than it was, you know, even 25 years ago. But you would never know that because all we hear all day long, uh, there's so little news to report on that when there is news, they just pound it into us. That's the way I look at it right now. So uh, you have to, you really have to understand the facts and where we're going. And technology is the reason that we have a lot less murders and we have a lot less, you know, because it's, it's difficult to get away with stuff nowadays, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's cameras, there's uh, uh, forensics. I mean, there's DNA. I mean, if you really want to try to, it's, it's difficult to get away with something nowadays and it will become increasingly more difficult as we move further. So, uh, into the future. So I just think I see those rates even going down. I mean, you know, our, our stomach for wars and deaths and wars has dramatically dropped. I mean, our the Iraq war on our side, um, what do we, I think, and I'm not taken away from the people who gave their lives for our country. I mean, this is not about that at all. I think every person who serves our country are heroes. Uh, but we, we lost 4,000 people. And you go back to D-Day, what did we lose on D-Day? 30,000 people in one day? It's incredible uh, that even in warfare, that, you know, lives are just seem to be more important nowadays. And that's fantastic. And it's because of technology. And uh, I just, again, very, 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 very optimistic about where we're moving to. I love what you just said about, you know, the jobs right, being creator where technology is helping us. And in the future, you know, we will have cars that will take us to the tea shop or coffee shop. We just get in and we'll just take us there. And you pointed out something really important, Martin, you said that even to build the robots, right, we need people to build those robots. And people nowadays are so caught onto this False, I call it false idea because I, it's the tunnel vision that is creating people to think in a very negative sense, right? People think that automation and technology will displace them and take away their jobs. But that's not the way of 
the plane that we should be looking at from technology liberates us from so many things like factory if you take a look at the factory or if you take a look at many things like things manual work that takes 72 hours for a human to do that puts a human under stress right when a human is working three shifts and there's so much of stress that is manual labor well that is also present in a corporate area too and that becomes such manual labor that it stresses your mind to to get tunnel vision it stresses a human from and it prevents us uh, prevents the human from thinking from speaking from creating from building and from having the freedom to be but automation liberates them from that act and gives them the space and the liberty to maybe upgrade themselves go take a class and and learn a new skill and create something create a new job create something new for the company that they are in and people, not everyone, but I feel that most people can't seem to grasp onto the opportunity that is present from technology and automation. And why is that so? So I think um, I think National Day Calendar is a great example of this, right? So we probably have uh, we have about fifteen core people in our office here and, and about, I mean, we have some remote staff as well. Uh, but we actually have about 80 people that make income from us. So these are people who, you know, do gigs, right? And I think the gig economy is going to be the big deal as we move forward. So, you know, if I, if I need an app done or I need, you know, something done, um, we have a lot of people who write for us and they get paid on their production. Right, so they get paid so much a story, and and if they and basically unlimited work with us. So if you can if you can produce ten stories a week, you get paid this much. If you only want to do five this week, you get paid this much. If you, you know, so whatever whatever works in your scenario. Maybe you're a Lyft or an Uber driver, and you love doing that, but you also love to write. So you can do a combination of both. You're not really locked down. I love what you said about liberation. You know, and and I, I may even see my next talk called job liberation because this is exactly uh, what we're talking about here. You're not, you're not going to be nestled into this, um, you know, eight to five type of scenario. Not saying that we, we still need people who do that. I mean, I still need to have a company that has hours, you know, that we're open and people can call um, and talk to us or whatever. But because, but because of automation, um, my, my staff of 15 does the work of a hundred, you know, right. And I don't know if national day calendar exists if we're not able to leverage that automation that we have going on right now. So then because of that, we've created 15 jobs, 80 other, or about 80 people that make money from us, right. That wouldn't even have that opportunity if it wasn't for the automation that was created before we got here. Right. So you're right about, you know, it, it's kind of a ripple effect scenario. I think what will happen as we move forward is we're going to have a lot more in the gig economy and we'll have a lot of opportunists that like you were talking about, will that because of technology will say, you know, I can make a living doing this now, even though it's a real niche thing, I can make a living and I can probably employ 10 or 15 people 
And, uh, and that would never have happened before. So you're going to see a lot of smaller companies emerge. Uh, people are going to enjoy their jobs because they're passionate about what they do as opposed to being locked into this thing that they just go to work to make, an, uh, to make a living. You know? So that's where, I, that's where I think we're going. I, I agree 100% with what you said. No, yeah, I, I, it's, I think the future is great. And the whole landscape of employment, like you said, Marlowe, everyone is going to be starting their own small businesses and, and not be in a captive market. I feel like right now, like even though there are small businesses, we have the huge companies kind of like buying them out and an automating step. But I, that's how I see the future. It's, it's either, you know, people are going to be starting small businesses or people are going to be creating their small businesses within the company's uh, company space where, because nowadays uh, humans are, are being, being focused on in companies, right? Because companies are realizing that oh, we, our biggest asset is our humans not KPIs, actually humans. How do we take care of them? How do we retain them? And a lot of companies are exploring ways to retain them and to, to even create that liberated space within, you know? And, and, and I always tell my clients or, or companies who I coach, like, if you want to liberate your own humans, you have to think about the job title, even within a company, how are you evolving your job, right? Like I can be a data entry, uh, data entry person. I don't know what's the real title called, but data entry specialist or whatever that is called. Can you imagine doing that job for 20 hours and, and reaching a point of burnout? But job evolution and job liberation, it ties in with what you just said. But within a company space, you give that person the liberty to how they want to evolve that job into either automation or to innovate it for someone else to come into that space, do that job and give them that liberty to innovate it even further. So person A gets liberated to create whatever job they want to do or create their own business within this company i know this is such a moonshot ideology i have but create their own business under the company space and give 10 percent or 20 percent equity to the company but this employee still has the opportunity to create their own business and then when they're stable enough they can go on their own and i feel like that's how we should really become visionaries of job, job evolution and give people that space of, of creativity and, and evolution. That's a great idea. And I feel like I have, I, I'm going to take your moonshot idea and maybe implement that in a few of my place spaces. That's a really good idea. Yeah, no, I, I always, I always do that because I actually have one person who, who does work for me and well, actually I've got two staff <laughs> and one will do all the research aspects and one will do all the PR and marketing. And I told them, you know, don't be tied to my company. Be, if you want to be tied to my company, that's great. But I'm also giving you the freedom and space to create what you want under my company. 
and I told and both of them wanted to start a podcast. I said, go ahead, start your podcast. And you know, when you're just starting the stages, you will have a lot of course in care. And I told them, you can use my website, you can use my movements website, which is my company's effort. The website is paid for, everything is paid for. I have all the podcast equipment. You can use that for a year or for two years. And then you start thinking about how do you want to get your sponsors? How do you want to go on your own? And I feel like that is how we actually enable our humans, right? Let them do the work that they want to do with our companies. Let them create their own space within our company, right? And not say, okay, I'm buying your company out, but have a, a, a partnership like, okay, well, let's own 10%, like 10% equity, and then you go on your yep. own. Yep. That's a so, perfect paradigm. So you have this idea of uh, um, thank you for joining my company. Um, here are your wings. Now fly. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's and it, no, it, it is just and that's how I feel like our jobs are moving to our humans are moving into where it it does not become this dog eat dog rule. Right. But everyone is like, it's my business. You know, if you don't want to be part of my business, goodbye, toodles. Do not talk to me anymore. And that <laughs> bridge has been. So, yeah, the, the, it's just I'm passionate about job evolution, and and how we can empower our humans. So that's why <laughs> it's like thinking of moonshot ways. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. So, Martley, another aspect that I want to touch on is that. Uh, is you know I, I love your visionary mindset and your visionary hardship. One of the things that when I connected with you that really caught my attention, uh, some might think that it's just minute, but for me it wasn't minute. It was such a great impact that you made on me, and and I call it hardship because I'm disrupting the whole leadership to move into hardship. You signed off by saying smiles. Mm -hmm. Smiles, Marlo. <laughs> yeah. And, and let me tell you why, how it made me feel and why I'm talking about this, right? Usually when I reach out to people, it's just one sentence and they'll say best or they'll just sign off their name. And, and I know that we all know smartphones, we're doing really fast, the thumb wrestle, right? But when you signed off as smiles, I literally envisioned you smiling at me and saying, I am your partner. I am. We have not even met. But you just writing that, it made me feel so welcomed. It made me feel wanted. It made me feel like a human. And I do not know if you intended <laughs> to write smiles or what prompted you to write smiles so it's my traditional sign off so everybody i correspond with even even if it's you know a person who i just got off the phone with and maybe the conversation didn't go so well or whatever um yeah i always i always sign off with smiles i appreciate that uh you thought it was a a personal gesture to you but it is my standard and probably for that reason you know, I want people to know that even maybe the conversation didn't go so well. I do realize you are a person, and uh, uh, I think it's important. 
and I always, uh, one of my favorite sayings was always, uh, I forget, you know, I'm saying that it's my favorite. I forget how it's stated now, but, uh, smile. Um, the other person doesn't know what you're up to. And that may be a little true. And my, I always have this little, uh, um, you know, I, I'm kind of a gesture at heart, I guess, you know, so I, I don't mind people thinking that even though maybe the conversation didn't go so well that, ah, he's saying smile now, what does he really mean by this? So, uh, but generally, it's 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 rather uh, um, you know I, I I do I feel everybody has something to contribute and I don't care who you are um, you know I've I've spent time with the president and I've spent time with homeless people and everybody has impacted me in some way and I just think that uh, everybody has something to to contribute and I love everybody's stories and you know I think and everybody's a person I don't again I don't care who you are. You're a person. You mean something in this world, and and um, so that's just my my way of acknowledging that, I guess. And that's such an important form of acknowledgement because sometimes that is looked at as soft skill, right? How we write an email, like you said, like you shared with me. Even the conversation didn't go well. You'll you will sign off as smiles, and and that means that you you really value them. And a few weeks ago, I was actually having a conversation with a HR person, and we were talking about, uh, you know, hardship and how do you value your humans, even from the way you communicate in email. And it was conversed to me, those are soft skills, that's not really important. But soft skills are the hard skills for nowadays, right? And and by just writing smiles, it really sends a positive message. Just like writing any message by an email in a very um, loving way. When I say loving, it's not like, oh, I love you, let me kiss you. Loving way as in showing care, concern, respect, showing that someone belongs, like you said. Um, those are all important skills that we need in the workplace, in any space that we're creating a community of practice and I feel that that's so needed and and we need to adopt that that aspect of interaction yeah absolutely well Marlo I absolutely loved exploring your mind and your heart in in futuristic ports and how you planted seeds of empowerment that exploded <laughs> into even without you planning it and that became a large large and created a large impact on this world and still continues to where can listeners find you Maltlo? um there's a few different ways of course you can follow national day calendar if you want to celebrate every day with us that would be fantastic um you can follow me directly on twitter at guru of geek on Facebook at Guru of Geek and Instagram at Guru of Geek USA. Somebody stole my monogram on Instagram before I got there. So that, and that, you know, my best advice to people right now, if you're starting something, by the way, is go grab your name on everything. Even though you're not going to use it right away, go grab the name, go to Instagram, go to Snapchat, get your names registered with these companies so that uh, when you are moving into those social platforms, you will have it. So don't have what I have going on with National Day and, and um, 
my own personal monogram now.